It's the TEH podcast, episode number 195. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. So, Gary, what's the weather in Denver? Uh, actually, today is beautiful. Uh huh. How about tomorrow? So, tomorrow, uh, maybe some uh, back to our thunderstorm a day pattern. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, apparently I'm going to be in town tomorrow. So. Yeah. <laughs> looking looking forward to that it's all about uh, timing you know if, it, if you're not you don't have have to be outside during the 20 minutes where it's thunderstorming then it might as well just be sunny all the time but if you have to be out during those 20 minutes then it's yeah. trouble i uh and i did i've you know reviewed i, I took a look at the the note you sent about mm -hmm. you know the weather down there and uh okay fine i threw my raincoat in my suitcase just in case yeah yeah. Um, not that, not that I expect to need it, but, um, anyway, looking forward to it, looking forward yeah, to visiting, yeah. visiting yeah. Denver again. It'd be, be a lot of fun. Yep. So, um, you had a busy day yesterday. Yeah. So today was, uh, yesterday was a big day and Apple, uh, and you know, they announced, uh, normal announcements, which would have been enough, you know, new MacBooks, the new operating systems coming out and all that stuff. But of course the long anticipated virtual reality headset, uh, which will be called Apple Vision Pro. And they gave a lot of information on it. Uh, so it was quite eventful. Tim Cook got his one more thing moment. He actually used those words. Uh, as I'm sure he's been wanting to do ever since he took over as CEO many years ago right. and uh, introduced his product, you know, the product that's a truly a Tim Cook Apple product. Right. Um, and uh, And I got to say, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so basically what it is, it's, it's VR goggles, but um, it's a lot more than that. So there's a ton of tech in these things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you, you wear them on your head and they're basically two screens, one for each eye. The screens pass through a couple of lenses to get to your eye and it produces a 3D image because there's a different image in each eye. So, mm -hmm. um, and it has cameras galore so there are cameras facing forward so it can take in the rest of the room and mm -hmm. actually put that on the screen so it looks like you're looking through the goggles even though they are opaque i was going to ask because the pictures i've seen make it look like it's semi-transparent no no actually so that's interesting i'll get to that in a moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they look like they're transparent they're not um but their cameras facing forward so you, you know and, and they use those to see through them their cameras facing down those are to see your hands because oh, uh -huh. you use hand gestures to control no holding a controller or a stick or some sort of ball or something like that manipulating you just use your hands you don't have mm -hmm. anything in them uh and then there are cameras facing back to your eyes because it tracks your eye movements uh in a way that it, i don't think anybody or any consumer product anyway has ever done before with apparently extreme accuracy if you've ever tried kind of eye tracking software that uses like a webcam to try to track your eyes mm -hmm. it you know jiggles around and you can hit like a part of the screen that you wanted to hit but you're never going to hit with any precision well these apparently are very precise uh tracking both your eyes and really understanding exactly what it is you're looking at um and yeah, so it's got all that stuff uh, and it uh, makes a, a VR experience that includes the area around you. So you see the room around you in a way that kind of suggests that you're looking through it. 
So it's getting right. the scaling and everything right. Technically um, augmented reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, people will argue that it's not augmented reality would be you actually see through it and it adds things. Here you're not seeing through it, but it's just, you know, how you want to perceive it. Apple's yeah, not I calling am. it VR or AR, right? <laughs> they're they're just saying it's a uh uh God, they've got a term for it, uh, you know, forget what it is, but it's, you know, it's just this device that uh, gives you the spatial, you know, feeling of being in the room, but also having other things and you can adjust. So most things you're doing, there's a little dial. It's like the Apple watch dial and you can adjust and say, look, whatever I, I see that's added like a window for an app, mm -hmm. uh, I want to see that, but everything else I want to be crystal clear. Or you could adjust the other way and say, block everything out and either give me darkness or a virtual environment, like make it look like I'm out in the middle of the wilderness, even though I'm in a room, mm -hmm. but now I've got these little app windows open. So you can adjust that. The neat thing is that this thing has a screen on the front of it. And that screen on the front of it takes the image of your eyes and puts <laughs> it on there, but does it again with the correct depth and, and scaling to make it seem like somebody that's looking at you is actually seeing your eyes in the goggles. So yeah, that's kind of that's an interesting very thing, including bizarre, where you're yeah. looking. Yeah. 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 Neat way to solve that problem. And, and there's really no information all about the screen and what else it could be used for. Cause it is actually used for one other thing, which I'll, I'll get to um, the uh, what you could do with them is basically have computer windows open. Um, more or less. So app windows, so imagine an app on your phone or your, a tablet, like uh, showing your photos, that appears as a rectangle in space in front of you. Right. It could be far back in the room. It could be right in front of you, wherever it is. It could be big, small. Um, and you could have a window next to it that shows your email and another one that shows your messages and another one that shows, shows a document you're writing. And you can move these around uh, and have them positioned in, in 3D space uh, to you know, be there and interact with them, all that. And a lot of these windows are not new apps, but current apps, like things like mail, notes, calendar, and so on, mm -hmm. uh, including web browser windows. Uh, and that these um, will just appear as these little flat objects that you can move around the room. Mm -hmm. uh, so it replaces your screen, really, is one right. of the things it does. It replaces either your computer screen, your Mac screen, or your iPad screen, or your iPhone screen, um, and is a new way to actually view computer information. Um, you could be sitting there at your in, in a chair in a room with no desk in front of you and no equipment in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, it is not a, a, a something that's reliant on any other device. So you don't plug it into your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac or any of that. It is its own device. So really? apps like Mail and Safari and all of that, you could do with nothing. You know, you could pack. The Apple Vision Pro with it, with or without its battery pack, go somewhere and have no other device with you, and you can access all of those apps. Presumably, the only thing you need is Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, you would need Wi-Fi and um, and and power. So either you have to hook the USB-C cable into power, right. or you have to hook it to the battery pack that comes with it, which apparently is about the size of an iPhone. It looks like it could slip into your pocket. The idea oh, is cool. not clip it onto your belt, but just put it in your back pocket, your front pocket, whatever. Right, right. Or, or sit on the table in front of you. Um, so that's kind of cool. And it does have the ability to uh, be your Mac's display. So for that, of course, you need a Mac because 
you're you're trying to display what's mm -hmm. on your Mac. Mm -hmm. You plug it into your Mac, or I'm not sure if you actually need to plug it into your Mac if it's all wireless. Uh, probably wireless, since you can already project your Mac screen wirelessly to so many devices. Right. Um, and you could basically have a Mac display in front of you. So you could have a Mac like my Mac Studio or a Mac Mini and have no screen and then just put these on and match your Mac's screen, uh, which is really cool. Um, so it, it does replace that. It also replaces a lot of other peripherals. It could actually take over everything. Um, it does work with keyboard, mouse, or trackpad. It, it, they say that you could use it with those, the existing ones that Apple's actually okay. produced for a while, which is interesting. Um, so I predict, of course, for people like me that can type pretty fast, uh, having a keyboard at least right. might be nice. I could still use my eyes and my finger gestures, you know, uh, pinching and tapping and pointing right. uh, to do things instead of a trackpad or mouse. But it'd be nice to have this keyboard that I could then type on. But you don't need to. It actually does uh, voice for typing as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the timing is really good because, you know, a year or two ago, it'd be like, well, you can't really replace the keyboard with dictation. Um, you can get close. And of course, a lot of people do actually use it that way. Right. But it's getting better and better. And in fact, all the new operating systems that Apple also announced has improved dictation on it. And this won't be out till next year, this Apple Vision Pro. So I think the timing is just about right to be where you you can start to really use your voice to type. In that case, you could have no peripherals except this, right? You don't need a keyboard. You don't need a trackpad. You don't need a mouse. You could just, you know, open up a new pages document, start typing a document, switch over to Safari, look something up on the internet, check your email, uh, send a message to somebody, the whole thing right on this device. Do you know uh, if it has a, uh, what I would call, I guess, a virtual keyboard? Uh, it, there was no mention of a virtual keyboard in this. The idea okay. was to use your voice to type. Right. But the, the only yeah. reason I, I ask is because voice is voice is typing, voice dictation yeah. when you're writing text is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just finding that voice manipulation of the interface. Sure. Uh, some sure, of the other sure. things you might want to do can be, uh, it, it at least has quite the learning curve. Right. So you would, if you didn't have a keyboard, you would use, say, your hands and eyes to look around and move point, things around, move, right. the, yeah. move, move the text cursor and all that. Uh, I did mention um, uh, the cameras, uh, the front facing cameras are actually interesting because they do more than just show you the room. Mm -hmm. You could actually use them as cameras to record. Okay. And since there's two of them uh, spaced about the same space as your eyes, guess right. what? It's a 3D camera. Right. So you can record in 3D. So you could, uh, yeah, it's it's a full 3D camera. It records to a 3D format. Uh, they can be played back in the goggles or you know, in the Apple Vision Pro or in right. some other interface that takes 3D, right. uh, which is kind of cool. Um, I mentioned that screen that's on the front. One of the things they showed uh, was that when you're recording, the screen kind of has a pulsating white to it to indicate to anybody there that oh this person with the apple vision pro is recording right now mm -hmm. um so that's kind of interesting because it shows you could use that screen to the front for other things right you know it's i, I see developers doing some interesting things with you know showing other people uh what's going on or, or having messages flashing across the front walking of walking billboard walk around. Yes. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so that could be interesting but you know a lot of this actually does show like uh you know remind us that hey this is a very different device um you know when the ipad came out it was like oh this is a big iphone 
more or right. less true, right? So any developers that were developing stuff for the iPhone that said, hey, finally, I can do the thing I wanted because it's a bigger screen, mm-hmm. right? But basically, it's the same touch kind of interface. Right. When the iPhone came out, it was like, oh, this is like a computer screen, but on a small phone device. Right. So people say, oh, great, with a touch screen, I can do these things. This is a very different thing. I mean, this has got 3D cameras. It's got a screen on front. It's got a super accurate, like, you know, vision, uh, you know, look, uh, I guess, pointer control with your eyes. Uh it's got all sorts of things that, uh, you know, I'm sure Apple's anxious to get this out, not just to the developers that will have early access, but right. when it's actually out and anybody anywhere could, act, you know, who could afford one can actually pick it up and say, I've got an idea nobody else thought of and use all this interesting hardware. It, it has an interesting headphone system, but by that I mean audio, where it's actually, uh, you know, producing this spatial audio. Uh, with part of the headband goes points down to your ears and produces sound. So you've got, without having to put in, uh, you know, AirPods, you've got the sound that's coming out of it. Um, there's got to be all sorts of things that people think of that you could do with this that are going to be really interesting. I mean, there's going to be obviously, you know, things that exist today that will be adapted to it. But what's really going to be cool is a couple of years later, all the cool things that come up with, you know, people come up with it aren't adapted things. It actually took years for some of the stuff that we take for granted on the iPhone, or I should say just touchscreen phones right. to actually appear, right? You know, we forget the early days, you know, yes. 2007, 2008, didn't have some of the apps that we just take for granted. Even the games that we take for granted, mm-hmm. they just weren't there at the beginning. And when a couple of years later, you know, these games came out that are now standard, it's like, well, yeah, why did somebody come out with a game where you swipe and did the, do this like on day one? Because it took a couple of years for people using them right. to actually, you know, a game developer to say, hey, here's an idea. This, These are even going to be more to that. You know, it'll be, uh, I think, several years uh, before the developers maybe get some crazy ideas that work out to be things that we just get used to. Um, of course, you can use them to watch movie and TV. Mm-hmm. It just you know puts a big screen in front of your face, whether you're at home or on an airplane or whatever. Um, you could use them, of course, as a really good 3D movie viewer. Right. Um, and they plan to. And the interesting thing is, is I hate 3D movies, but the main reason I hate 3D movies is to me, they're blurry. You've got uh, one screen. We've right. talked about this before in the show. You've got yes. one screen projecting both images and right. you have these really poor polarized filters in front of your eyes that are trying to filter out, you know, one half the image, the other half the image and all of that. Right. Um, but here you actually will have two separate images, no filters. Your eyes are just, each eye is just going to see what it's going to see. As and, high resolution as those little screens will be They're They're greater than 4k, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, slightly more than 4k apparently. Yeah. And, uh, and they're using lenses uh, in there to actually, you know, between the screen and your eyes for some magic there too. And apparently some of the reviews I've read from the, the journalists that were lucky enough to get a preview of this, mm-hmm. um, one of the, th- the points I got was that they don't seem to produce any of the nausea that some other VR headsets do. Interesting. Probably because of a lot of the tech that goes in there. Apparently there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes um, that Apple has worked on that is not based on any other uh, VR headset that just, you know, I guess maybe the, seeing the environment through, you know, the goggles, uh, also the high resolution screens, the lenses, uh, seeing your eyes and being able to adjust to your eyes and things like that. Really, 
should be some fascinating technology, you know, in this. And yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to, you know, I think I'm one of those people that will actually use it for work that, you know, I won't, I'm not buying it to watch 3d movies. I'm going to be, I'm going to buy it so I can sit and have, you know, Xcode open and a, you know, a bunch of, you know, and and an iPhone simulator and like my messages window and all this stuff and actually like use it as a development environment for things. Um, I'm, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that and probably even trying to develop some interesting things on it as well um, to see what, you know, interesting games could come up. I mean, just the idea that you could use your hand to reach out and do stuff. One of the demos actually has a 3D butterfly. And if you hold your hand out and put your fit, point your finger, the butterfly lands on your finger. <laughs> so, but that just shows that it's not, you know, the thing demos like that show how it goes beyond the gimmick. Right. You know, it's not just, oh, you see a 3D image. And we figured out a couple of things with hand gestures. It's like, no, we actually know where your finger is. We already know how to calculate the, the uh, you know, code in this, you know, butterfly simulation to have the butterfly land on your finger. You know, that's like one year, you know, or nine months ahead of release. They've got right. that. Right. That's uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. Um, so are you going to be there on uh, on day one? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. A lot of people saying, "Oh, there'll be a line around the block." Apple doesn't do lines anymore. You know, you'll be, uh, you know, waking up at uh, you know, whatever midnight is in your time zone for um, place the order. Yeah, <laughs> trying to place that order. I mean, Apple has put a hefty price tag on this, which of course a lot of people have have uh, grabbed onto. You know, thirty five hundred dollars, and it's like, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, thirty five hundred dollars." Oh boy. Wait, okay. Do you seriously think Apple's not going to sell every single one they could produce? <laughs> right. You know, right. Uh, when this There's... thing, you know, for months, the, the, it's going to be impossible to get it at thirty five hundred dollars. Right. So, right. why exactly should Apple be pricing this lower? Well, you and know? from what I'm hearing is that, uh, based on what I've read and what you've described and so forth, you've you're essentially wearing a desktop computer. Yeah. In terms oh, yeah. of in terms it's of an, power and capability, even more. And it's the M2 processor it, in it. It's if if you know it, we would drop thirty five hundred bucks on a desktop of um, uh, you know the Mac Pro in a heartbeat. So um, that's that. The, the only thing that the price concerns me is mm. that, um, like you say, it, it's going to sell out. It's going to keep sold out. It's going to be really hard to get for some time. But at some point, it's going to make that transition from um, uh, developer and niche audience to trying to go to the masses. Yeah. And in order for that to happen, that device, whatever that device is, uh, it certainly mm -hmm. won't be this first generation device, but whatever that device is, is going to have to come in at a relatively lower price point in order to be more accessible. Um, right. But but they'll have you know multiple years at that point, I suspect, of development under their belt, experience under their belt, potentially new and um, cheaper uh, solutions to some of the problems that this thing solves today. So um, I just, the $3,500 price point doesn't bother me at this point because it's not for people that can't afford it. Um, it's for the folks that can right now um, and you know the early adopters. And the early adopters will, I think, do a lot too, as you, as you were pointing out, uh, mold or steer or direct its future. Yeah. And note that they already call this the Apple Vision Pro, as right. in, 
Uh, oh. Maybe there could be an Apple Vision. Maybe there could be an Apple Vision Air. Right. You know, so they've they've set it up to be like this is the the top of the line. Right. And anything else we come out in, you know, any other product we come out, unlike say the AirPods, they came out with AirPods and then they came with AirPods Pro. But imagine if they had done AirPods Pro first right. and then come out with a cheaper one. And, you know, AirPods are a good example of another product that Apple came out with that was way too expensive, according to everybody, <laughs> when it came out with, you know, who's going to get, you know, just some, you know, Bluetooth head headphones for 150 or whatever they were when they first came out. And it's like, of course, the product eventually was a huge success. Right. And, you see them everywhere. Yes. And, and the <laughs> Apple Watch, you know, so many people said $300 for a watch. You have to be kidding me. And Apple was like, oh, sure, whatever you want, you know, and just they just kept producing them, kept making it better. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, you walk around and, and I'm sure there are tons of people who said, I'd never spend that much for a watch walking around right now with an Apple watch. Right. Um, so I think I think there's there's that I had a friend of mine actually say uh, that, you know, he said two things. One, he said uh, something where I could just uh, a device, three thousand uh, dollars that I could just um, watch movies with. Forget it. And I was thinking, wait a minute, my living room has a device that costs three thousand dollars that I could just watch <laughs> movies with. <laughs> um, that's the, you know, it's like the big, you know, four K TV that I bought years ago. Right, right, right. That's exactly what that does. And I spent that money on that. And this thing will be able to do much more. It's a computer, like you said. Right, right. So yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's disappointing that we have to wait till next year, early next year, to get our hands on this thing. Right. Um, I'm hoping, you know, Apple talks about stuff for developers. I don't think there's going to be like a developer version where you'd be able to actually get one as a developer early, but right. I'm hoping that they'll have maybe a simulator uh, of some sort right. where you could actually start to develop stuff. And then it would be like a, you know, a, like a 2D representation, a 3D space, maybe, you know, they have that now in Xcode on a Mac, I could develop an, an iPhone app. Right. Oh, this has always been this way. And it shows me a little iPhone on the screen and it simulates an iPhone, right. even with the ability to be able to simulate touches on the screen. This is more complex for sure, but I see the same thing happening where there's right. like a, a Apple Vision simulator right. and it's not great, but it does allow you to at least with a little imagination, write your code. Right and get ready for the uh the device to come out and then after it's out even you know write your code you don't need to co always compile to run on the device you could very easily you know if you're just working on a little interface where a list of text is supposed to appear you know you could just work on that on a simulator and only bring it over to the device when you you know actually really need to test something so so yeah so exciting stuff it's just uh uh, and I'm sure Apple is going to have a lot. There's going to be like, it's just going to be weekly rumors and news from now on until the thing comes out about right. what it's capable of, who's developing things for it, uh, ideas for it, um, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, and Apple wanted that. Apple, you know, wants to have that buzz going on for the next. It's Sure. Year. So speaking of buzz, I mean, for the last 24 hours since the announcement, I mean, obviously it's been really difficult to um, to avoid <laughs> seeing yeah. everything about um, their headset. Um, by the way, it's called spatial computing. Spatial computing. That's the word I was yes. looking for, spatial. Yes. Which is, you know, that's a fine term, actually. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Uh, so I ran across one of the articles I ran across is one um, I've got it linked in the show notes, the bug man cometh. It's, it's mm -hmm. basically yeah. um, a writer talking about um, his excitement actually about the, uh, the headset. The, and as he puts it, uh, his the the subtext the subtitle on this is my sick unexplainable desire to buy a face computer, uh, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cute. Um, it's interesting because he also mentions a couple of scenarios that I thought were interesting observations on how this might get used. In one scenario, he calls it digital horse blinders. Mm. By that I yes. mean what he really looks forward to is apparently not necessarily having it show you the room around you, but instead just give you a very nice closed work environment. Uh, wherever you might happen to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you put these on, and now, as you said, you don't need anything else other than this device, which means that any place is your office, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually kind of a kind of a cool scenario um, that that I thought was interesting. The other one he that, that cracked me up is um, he looked forward to being able to work horizontally. Yeah. <laughs> as, in, yeah. as in laying down, yeah. because laying down, that obviously is something up, yeah. you, it's very almost impossible to do these days, even with the devices we have. So anyway, like I said, I'll link to that one. It's an interesting and um, entertaining read, uh, but it's one of certainly many opinion pieces right now that are getting generated right and left about uh, about the Vision Pro. Yeah, and it uh, another article I read um, was somebody was talking about how app, you know, uh, there are devices similar to this. This is obviously more much more advanced, but a big factor here is the the Apple brand and mm -hmm. and and the the corporate power because. Mm -hmm. There have been companies that have tried to develop VR headsets, and sure. you go to a company like Disney, who was, you know, at the presentation, and you say, "Hey, let's work together," and you know, Disney says, "No, go away," or doesn't return your emails. You know, whereas Apple can go to anybody, right, and say, "Hey, that big new movie that's coming out later in 2024, let's let's collaborate on how that's gonna, you know, be released on this instead." Right. 3d or right. you know let's you know go with some other company developing you go with any brand anything that you're doing let's let's have um different stores have virtual stores or have you know the ability to use these in various ways I, there's lots of stuff apple can pull off because they're pretty much the most valuable company in so the world now one of one of my my uh i don't know observations about technology over the decades yeah is that there is one niche that tends to push technology oh, yes. harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there that's the niche that's responsible for the online payment system. They actually do have some 3D stuff. They've got a high resolution video. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm talking about adult entertainment, to put it blindly or uh politely the um <laughs> the uh, uh the article I mentioned also referred to, you know, the the first um uh, uh model to have an OnlyFans page that supports this 3D technology is going to be raking in big bucks, um, which I thought was an interesting observation because yeah, the adult entertainment does push a lot of this stuff and you're right, this this kind of 3D technology is only gonna push that further. Yep, yeah. Any uh, other interesting things from uh, from the announcement? I mean- um, Oh, uh, there's plenty. I mean, we, we know- Sonoma, Mac, I guess Mac is the next one. Sonoma with some yeah. neat, neat things that, um, uh, actually, uh, be, uh, doing a video, you know, linking to a video with some of the new stuff and just some, uh -huh. it, it, nothing, you know, it's funny. Apple can't win because, uh, you, you, no matter what they come out with in the new operating system, you get people that say, I don't want any of these new features, just make it bug free. Right. And then you get, 
other people that say these aren't enough new features. I want it to be pushed further. You know, <laughs> so you know, Apple always kind of goes in the middle. So there's some neat new features uh, that will be useful, mm -hmm. and for people like me that are back users all day long doing everything. Uh, it's like, well, I, you know, after I have the ability to link one note to another in notes, you know, it's, I'm just mentioning that as a tiny feature. It's like, I won't want to go back. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, I already have one computer running the beta and now I'm already, uh, you know, hating the fact that on my main computer, I can't go to a note and link it to another note. It's a simple, stupid little thing, but it's like, okay, so that, you know, I can't wait till I update my main computer to this. Um, but there's a bunch of little neat things like widgets on the home screen, uh, you know, on the, on the uh, background, on the desktop background, uh, and, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, some neat video conferencing things that uh, you can do, uh, some cool desktop wallpaper, lock screen things. Um, you know, it's just a night. It, it, it's, I think, an appropriate amount of like, here's some new features pushing Mac OS forward a little bit. The same thing with iOS and iPad OS. Like, here are some new things that, you know, add to the operating system that push things forward a little bit. The update from 2022 to 2023, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of deal. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's mostly it. We've got some new hardware. Uh, they came out finally with the Mac Pro uh, as a, a, a Apple Silicon. Uh, computer. Yes. Um, and, you know, people complaining about that too. And it's, that's the worst because it's like anybody complaining about it really is just, that's not your machine. Uh, <laughs> basically it's, they have that Mac studio and the high-end Mac studio and the Mac pro are the same machine, except that the Mac pro has six PCI express expansion slots and twice as many Thunderbolt ports. That's essentially the only difference between the high-end studio and the Mac Pro. But people are complaining about the $7,000 starting price. Um, and other people will point out that anybody complaining about that has no idea what a PC workstation actually costs, like a real actual <laughs> workstation that you yes. would use, like, you know, at a big company to produce, you know, 3D modeling or videos or run, yep. you know, simulations, all that kind of thing. Uh, it's perfectly in line with those prices. Uh, so yeah, but you know, the, the, the thing is, is that Apple actually produced what you wanted previously, <laughs> the Mac studio. It's exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. Mac studio is perfect for me. Thank you, Apple, for producing something I was able to get for cheaper than a Mac pro. That's exactly what I want and not giving me like the last Mac pro. I had a machine that had a bunch of empty PCI express slots because there was absolutely <laughs> nothing I wanted to add to it. I just wanted right. the power of the processor in it. Right. So, um, so yeah, but that does complete the transition. There are no more new Intel Macs. Every new Mac is now running right. an M yeah. M1 to M2 Ultra uh, processor chip. So Apple's completed that, and uh, and yeah, it's that's looking forward to the future. Sonoma does still support uh, several years worth of Intel Macs. Mm -hmm. So we're not done with them yet. You know the the operating system still will support them. Probably I'm guessing next year's Mac OS will as well, but the one after that, maybe, maybe not. not. Yeah. Maybe they'll yeah, just, maybe they'll just go with, uh, with Apple Silicon. And of course that's Apple Silicon's in all the iPhones. It's on all the iPads. It's in the Apple TV. It's in the Apple watch and it's in the, um, uh, the Apple vision pro. Once so you, you um, I, I can imagine that dropping X86 support, um, mm -hmm. is incredibly lucrative for them mostly because um supporting two completely different processors um is its yeah. own little little corner of hell um i've mm -hmm. i've done that in the past and it it can <laughs> uh 
Um, it, it can be really, really frustrating and really error prone. And the feeling you get when you get to go into the code and just rip out all this stuff that you don't need anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine that there are a bunch of Apple developers just, you know, champing at the bit to, uh, to make that happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, so other, other, other stuff happens too, you know, it's not all about <laughs> Apple. Uh, this is an interesting story. Uh, it's about Reddit. Um, so, uh, Reddit is kind of a weird site cause it's basically free to use. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, and I, I really like Reddit. Reddit is like, you know, we've talked about TikTok many times, people hating TikTok and us being like, well, why are you watching the videos you don't like, you know, it, it, just the algorithm to right. watch the videos you do like, because you can't go and say TikTok is filled with this because I don't see any of whatever it is you're seeing. Right. I'm seeing stuff that, you know, I seem to like, well, Reddit's kind of the same thing. You can go and say, Reddit is like, oh, it's filled with all this. Well, you know, whatever. It's like, well, I don't go to any of those places on Reddit. Right. I right. go to my local, like, you know, Denver news section. I go to like, read some of the questions people have with back stuff. I, sometimes I go, I have a lot of fun going to the today I learned uh, oh, Reddit right. subreddit. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Cause it's just people talking about random weird facts, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, Reddit is kind of what you make of it. It's just a huge environment. There, there's a, a, a couple of reddits that I'm, I look at regularly. Um, one that just happened to bring it up. Um, tech support gore. Have you seen that? No, you got to go to r tech support gore okay. because what it does is it shows you pictures of all these machines that are just horribly maintained full of dust or or spaghetti cable routing routing of of enormous proportions it's great i actually end up using um uplifting news fairly regularly uh, it's oh, one yeah. of my it's one of my better sources for not all news is bad i get a lot of i get a lot of material from there so there are a number of um of reddits that i do pay attention to that are actually pretty cool yeah so um the story though is mm. about uh, Reddit trying not to be free. Well, it is free. It's going to be free for people to use, but right. they need to make money. They need, they have bills to pay. A lot of servers, I imagine. So they try to find different ways to raise money. There's some advertising. Um, you know, you could buy ads on Reddit. Uh, you can, uh, there's things you can buy, like, you know, prizes that you can give to people. Things like coins or something like coin. that. Yeah, I yeah, forget yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, uh, so there's that stuff. So what they're also trying to do is they're trying to be like, okay, so APIs are like when developers want to access a system, say you want to make your own app that shows Reddit instead of having to use the Reddit app or use the Reddit website, or say you want to have like your own thing where you can uh, look through the post on Reddit and, and put them into some database and, you know, do some uh, processing on them or whatever. Uh, so you can use an API Reddit has to do that. And that was free. Uh, they said, well, we can't always have it be free, especially some of these apps are just using a ton of our our uh, servers, mm -hmm. you know, pulling data, whatever. Uh, so we're gonna have to start charging uh, on a per like um, a request uh, amount. So you make a request and it costs like a fraction of a penny. So, you know, if you've just a normal, like a person like me and you just want to like do a couple little things with a, a Reddit app I'm making, you know, I end up paying like 12 cents a day or whatever to do mm -hmm. it. Um, but uh, the problem is that there are some apps like the apps that actually show Reddit, like you could use them on your phone and you can just, you know, browse Reddit that use thousands and actually millions of requests. 
because they're actually pulling all the different headlines and posts and all that stuff and showing them just like you looking at a website. And the problem is that the pricing that they figured out, while for a, a small developer just doing a small little task, turns out to be pennies. If you just develop an app that simply allows people to browse Reddit and it's somewhat successful, it could end up costing apparently for 50 million requests, $12,000. Right. Uh, and somebody here, uh, there's a, a post that we'll link to, um, says that, you know, basically uh, it's going to cost them $12,000. What is it, a month, a year, something like that, uh, suddenly to get um, to get the calls to, to Reddit to show their app. So in other words, they were getting this for free and they put their app up there and then people got the app for free and all that. Everybody was happy. And now suddenly the developer needs to find a way to pay $12,000 to keep the app going. Right. Um, this is a common problem, actually. I've run into this before. I've, I've worked in pe years past on projects that had to do with like, oh, what if I allowed people to send a, an SMS message? Like that would be really cool. Like I, I have an app and one of the things you can do is get a reminder via SMS when something's going to happen in a game or something. And I'm like, great. Well, how much does that cost? Oh, it's a fraction of a penny per SMS. Okay. So if I have like a thousand people playing this game, it'll cost me like a buck, you know? Um, great. Except a thousand people playing the game. Why am I even bothering? I need this game to be successful. Right. So what, what would successful be? Well, if a million people were playing the game, great. Well, how much is that going to be? Oh, crap. That's going to cost a lot. Right. And then I look and I do the numbers and say, this game no longer makes any sense. There's no way I could actually afford the SMS messages unless like I was charging people a lot of money to play and no one's going to pay that to play a little silly game. Right. So then I end up abandoning the idea. And so I've seen this before. I've seen other APIs uh, also try to put a pricing on it. And it seems reasonable until you find that one use where it's like, oh, suddenly instead of a thousand uh, calls a month, I need a million calls a month. And um, that's going to cost way too much. So we don't know what's going to happen here. Reddit really relies a lot on these third-party apps to do various things. I'm going a lot to of ask people. because the 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 app that you're pointing to the the mm -hmm. link you've got yeah. uh, goes to an app called Apollo, which is yes. essentially a um, it looks like it's a um, an iPhone only Reddit yeah. brow Reddit browsing app, mm -hmm. and I think you were understating the numbers because it says you know 50 million requests cost twelve thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. great. That app made seven billion requests oh, billion. Oh, I last gotcha. okay, month. Yes which would put it at about $1.7 million, million yeah. per month. Yeah, I was um, understating it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally get that that's untenable. Um, I just, I, I, so yeah, I definitely understand. But what I was trying to get a sense of is how important are these third-party apps to Reddit? In other words, assuming Apollo goes away, which yeah. seems like the only thing that could happen in this, you know, if the pricing holds, does Reddit care? Reddit probably doesn't care that much, except for the fact that people who are into Reddit are obsessed with these apps. Apollo is just one of them. There's a right. whole bunch of them. And people love the apps that they use. They constantly complain about like, it's impossible to use the regular Reddit app or the Reddit website, which by the way, I use the regular Reddit app and the Reddit website. That's all I do. Yeah, so same I'm here. Be, be yeah. confused about the it's really impossible because I seem to be doing just fine. Like I'm not uh, really uh, like saying, boy, this is it's tough to actually. Uh, 
I sense some hyperbole. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, but this is not this is the uh, hyperbole is not because of this. The hyperbole right. is over years, right? right? I've heard people talk about this. Like people begging say you said like Apollo's for, for uh iPhone only, you know, people begging for that on Android. People right. begging for an Android Reddit app on the iPhone. You know, people really uh into it and claiming that they will not uh, forget it. I'm not going to use Reddit if I can't use the app I like. Right. Um, now, I mean, how big is that really? I mean, maybe maybe Reddit knows what they're doing, and maybe they're saying, "Yeah, we've run the numbers, and we're going to lose one tenth of one percent of our traffic." Right. And and maybe some of the biggest complainers, uh, if we do this, or maybe we're not going to really lose anybody. All the people complaining are going to be like, "Okay, Apollo went away." Um, but. You know, I, I, one thing to consider is a lot of these apps really have been instrumental in promoting Reddit, right? Yes. You know, they've been like, hey, use use my app at, and, and at the same time use Reddit and be able to get the information you want. And has, you know, has that created this ecosystem uh, around Reddit that will now be stripped away because of these. We've got the same thing going on with Twitter, of course, right. um, with Twitter trying to make money through its API calls. Uh, I still have one last little uh, API thing that Twitter has not shut off yet. And I don't know why, because I have other people that um, uh, have similar things. It just posts the Mac, the, the Mac most, like the most recent video mm-hmm. every day. And um, it, uh, it's, is it still working? You know what? It may have been shut off. I just never got a, a notification about it because I'm looking <laughs> at it now and I see the last one is May 22nd. Hmm. Ah. Interesting. I mean, I thought the whole idea was I was supposed to get at like a ransom note. Um, <laughs> sure. It would be a shame if something happened to your Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, would, I mean, cause I thought the whole point was to try to get me to be like, Hey, I will, I guess I will spend money uh, to keep this going, you know, take, here's my credit card. Um, but instead it, apparently it's just not working anymore. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think the last time we actually talked about this, I did the same thing where I looked at it and I proclaimed, Hey, it's still working. So, Hey, that's, this is great because that's one whole little system. I can, like you were talking earlier, I can just get rid of that code out. Yep. I can rip. There's some code (laughs) at Mac most right now that just posts stuff to Twitter that I could finally just rip out. That'll be, that'll be nice. One less thing to maintain. Um, Twitter's a great example though, of, of the risks because, um, you know, it's, it's obviously more complicated than just shutting down the API, but, um, you know, Twitter's value has dropped by more than, more than half. Um, you know, f- uh, supposedly people are leaving Twitter, uh, you know, their audience is way down, their traffic is way mm. down. Um, is the, should that be a cautionary tale for Reddit? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they have to be careful. I, I don't know what the solution is. I, I maybe there is a technical solution where they can go and look at the type of requests that um, this one app, you know, this like Apollo is is making and charge that at a different rate. I know I've seen that with other API calls. Right. Uh, like a, there, there's a YouTube API, and I uh, was able to use that for some uh, data gathering for my channel, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I wrote a bit of code and was able to get like a list of all my videos. Oh, you know, that was useful to have instead of trying to do it manually. And 
Um, I noticed that the API prices were different depending upon what you were doing. There were some right. things that were extremely cheap, fractions of fractions of fractions of pennies, and some things that actually were like a tenth of a penny. And they were like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I shouldn't be doing that. That's like posting a new video. It's like, I shouldn't be doing that more than once or twice a day, you know, right. no matter what my what what my use is. Whereas actually getting, you know, give me the title of a video uh, should be something I should be able to do a thousand times in a second to get a list. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe there's something they could do where they can adjust and say, oh, for what Apollo needs, here's a new structure. And we'll charge more for this thing that Apollo doesn't need to do. I suspect, um, though, you know. that the, the ultimate solution that, that the developers are looking for, I don't think I don't think the third party developers are advocating to keep the API completely free. Um, yeah. I think if you come in and say, you know what, we got to make money or we're just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody kind of understands that. I think that it's the, the raw numbers that really, that really, uh, and how incredibly, incredibly out of scope they are for so many of these third-party developers. Um, it, it may be as simple as, okay, dial back the amounts, right? Uh, just mm -hmm. dial it back so that we end up paying a reasonable amount for the amount of traffic we're giving you. Or maybe there's a volume discount. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about it, um, Amazon Web Services, AWS, yeah. um, they're, they're like the king of uh, charging per API call, uh, depending you know, across all of their services. And they definitely charge different amounts for different calls, but they also have different rates depending on the quantity of calls, um, whether it's a, um, a discount uh, when mm -hmm. you get to a certain point, or in some cases, an increase, depending on what it is you're doing when you get past a certain point. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I just, I, I would hope that, um, I just hope that whoever's making the decisions at Reddit knows what they're doing. Yeah, I, another possibility um, that they could do is to distribute the API calls uh, among users. So this is something I see, uh, for instance, if you were going to use um, uh, OpenAI's, you know, uh, chat GPT, mm -hmm. if you wanted to go and create uh, a little piece of code and you could do it as a shortcut on your, on a Mac or on an iPhone mm -hmm. to make a call to using their API, uh, you can easily do that and you get your own API code, you know, your own key right. to go in. And as an individual, I may use this, I don't know if I wanted to use a lot, a few dozen times a day which is nothing. And they could eat very easily say, hey, you can make up to a thousand calls a day for free, right? And, but the idea is that if I were to download an app and that app may have a million users, but if each user had their own API key, that each user might easily fall under the free limit, right? And the oh, app right. itself yeah. doesn't have to do anything. Now, the idea is you don't want users messing around with API keys, but you can make it easier. First, you can make it easier by not calling an API key or right. giving it some other name, having some sort of thing where, you know, the app can go and say, hey, you want to use this app to, to browse Reddit? What's your account? You know, log in with your account credentials and then you need to go and, you know, switch this thing on. And now you can make just enough calls for you to use this app and they will be charged to you. But as long as you just have normal use, it's free. Right. And probably if it's not, it wouldn't actually cost anything if you hit it, you would just hit a limit and it would say, oh, you used Reddit too much today. Um, that <laughs> could be a solution to it. So if you wanted to to scour Reddit for every post today to, to run a research project, um, you would have to pay. 
right. you know, money for that. But if you just wanted to create an app that was going to allow users to do it, then every user would get charged individually, and hopefully it would just be free for them. And um, you wouldn't actually get charged anything because you wouldn't actually be using your API key as the, I guess, the bill the billable account. It would be the user as the billable account. So there are there are other ways to do it. Maybe Reddit will go that direction. Will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Then there are protests happening. Uh, some subreddits and stuff going uh, quiet today, or is it tomorrow? For, you know, I saw something about it being yeah, a couple of days worth of. And in fact, one of the subreddits I was looking at was asking if, um, was actually asking their members, right? The participants in the subreddit, whether or not uh, this subreddit should participate. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, so, so yeah, we, boy, we've taken up a lot of time with these, uh, two stories here. <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> well, it's we got to save bit. some for next week. Cause we'll, you know, we'll do um, that. Yeah. We'll do that. I'll be back home next week. Anyway. That, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, as to other things that are cool besides yeah. headsets, spatial computing, mm -hmm. um, I have been watching FUBAR on Netflix. Okay. Uh, we're only, it's a eight episode uh, limited series, I think, where I think three or four episodes in. Um, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, uh, vehicle. Uh, it is, I think, his first TV series role, which I did not realize until after I read that in a headline somewhere. He's uh -huh. been exclusively movies um, up until now. What I find interesting about it, it's actually fun. Um, it's certainly not going to win awards by any stretch, um, but it is fun. What I realized the other day, though, is that ultimately it is True Lies. Remember the oh, movie True Lies? Yeah, sure. I it's a it's a good film, actually. Yep. Do you though? Did you watch the TV series True Lies? I did not. Okay, that just, um, there's, I think, one um, season of it so far. We were watching that. Um, basically, same premise. You have um, you know, a spy, an undercover operative, um, in this case, CIA, um, but his family doesn't know. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's going on all these quote-unquote business trips when, in fact, he's really running around the world doing spy stuff. Um, and true lies, the wife finds out, um, mm -hmm. and hilarity ensues. In uh, uh, FUBAR, uh, it turns out that his daughter is also an undercover CIA uh, operative, and neither of them know about the other mm. <laughs> until they cross paths on an op. And um, hilarity ensues is the the approach to take it. Um, anyway, I, like I said, it's it's fun. Um, it is um, uh, you know uh, one hour episodes. Like I said, I think there are eight episodes so far. Um, it's Arnold being Arnold um, with, a, with, a, with a lot of humor. Enjoying it. Cool. Um, speaking of humor, no, not at all, actually. Uh, <laughs> I finished reading a book called Skeletons on the Zahara. Um, that's uh, Sahara uh, spelled with a Z because that's apparently how it used to be spelled. Uh, as in the desert, as in the part of big part of Africa with mm -hmm. uh, no water. Um, and it's a it's a, a retelling of uh, some uh biography books from a long time ago about a group of American sailors that got shipwrecked off the coast of Africa in the early 19th century. And they are immediately enslaved by some of the traders that go across the Sahara and have to basically survive uh, as slaves. 
and escape, or not really escape, but figure out how to get themselves uh, to uh, a safe place um, and, and regain their freedom. Uh, it's like an incredible tale. Usually the survival stories I read are lost in the wilderness and you have to rely on your own, uh, you know, build your own fires, find your own food, that kind of thing. Right. Um, this is, you know, they're never lost. They're never not surrounded by people, which is the problem, uh, because, uh, they're, they're enslaved and not allowed to escape. And really the whole Sahara becomes a prison because, you know, they basically could just walk away at any time to what, yeah. <laughs> to, to endless desert where they would die. So, um, it, it, it's a fascinating story. Uh, that's, it, it's basically two books, two of the sailors wrote, uh, accounts of it. That were bestsellers back in the day mm -hmm. and uh, this modern retelling takes those two books and kind of combines them with modern language mm -hmm. uh, and, and a lot of data uh, and things we know now about you know what was happening with them while as they were getting dehydrated as they were uh, getting malnourished as they were experiencing some symptoms of various things that they didn't know what to call them back then mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of that is in there a fascinating a different kind of survival story um uh, that I, I like to read, but it's not for everybody. It, it, I found it cool, but it's not going to be for everybody. Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. definitely is the, the, a, uh, the opposite of, um, lighthearted. Yes. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so self-promotion this week, I want to point people at an article that as it turns out is amazingly popular. Actually, the YouTube video is amazingly popular for my channel. Um, can I use a charger with the same voltage, but a different amperage rating? Mm. Um, and you know, reaching not too deeply into my um, electrical engineering degree, um, there are answers. There are things to pay attention to. There are things to be worried about. There are things to not care about. Um, anyway, we go over all those in the article, askleo.com slash 5276. Cool. I'm going to point to an article uh, or a video uh, on, you know, where I go through and just show some of the cool new stuff in macOS Sonoma. So if you're anxious to see <laughs> what uh, life will be like using your Mac uh, come October, um, this will give you some idea. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All righty. Well, I think that'll pretty much do us for this week. Um, uh, the show notes are at tehpodcast.com slash teh195. If you've got a comment or a question, be sure to leave it there. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you here real soon. And 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 Gary, I, will, I guess I will see you tomorrow. Yeah, indeed. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.